All right, welcome back to the uh, Dabbler Cast. The Dabbler Cast is the podcast of Dabbler Farm. I am your host, John Larson, and I'm coming to you again with our prequel series, as it were, our our review of the values that shape the farm, uh, so that you, dear listener, can understand where we come from and understand if we um, share a worldview. So I've been working through our uh, values that we define for the farm. The seven values are to be had on the website at um, dabblerfarm.org. If you go up to um, About Us, you can find the values and you can read about them and see links to these podcasts discussing the values in particular. Um, this is our fourth value, uh, being our, our fifth episode, of course, uh, our fourth value is, um, corporate independence. Again, the values kind of define, um, give us a roadmap to how we want to live our lives and things we want to change and what motivates us to do what we do and helps us select from, uh, you know, a multitude of things we can spend our life doing. But, um, corporate independence is one that we, uh, we feel strongly about here. And I don't want to take this episode and give a complete shakedown of the sins and crimes and misdemeanors of corporate um, food, but they are plenty. So I just want to kind of give um, a, a kind of overview of you know what what's going on out there, what we've witnessed in the past few decades, um, going back for a long time actually, is the consolidation of of the food industry. Um, and there's a lot of um, strange things that happen. Some of them are justified, and some of them um, are probably more just about profiteering. And again, it's a really complex story that that, that begs dig, digging into pretty deep. But um, if we look at the grocery stores today, and I'm talking about um, in, in the United States, although these, these sort of things um, are global, um, I was reading a joint study by the Guardian um, newspaper and uh, Water Watch um, and Food and Water Watch uh, that was published in 2019, I believe, 2021 maybe. Um, and they did analysis of, of the, some of the most common foods that were um, purchased in grocery stores. And, um, and then they went to look to see where they were coming from and, and what their story was. And they came up with some interesting um, um, facts they broke down. Um, one, 85% of groceries analyzed um, for the 85% of the groceries they analyzed, four firms controlled more than 40% of market share. Now, 40% market share is important because that's kind of the, the designation that means you have a complete monopoly. At 40%, you control the market. So that means of, of the um, 85% of the groceries they analyzed, there were four firms together that, that, um, that had a monopoly on that particular um, food item. Um, they, they broke down a few more. 93% of all soda um, comes from three companies. 73% of all breakfast cereal comes from three companies. Um, and um, an interesting interesting kind of shakedown, 15% of the dollar you spend, so 15 cents out of every dollar you spend at supermarkets today actually goes to the farmer. So 15% of that money is spent on the food. The rest goes to processing, marketing, and um, shipping um, the, the food. So, so processing has taken over as the primary driver in the foods that, that we eat. In the United States, four supermarkets um, control 65% of the retail market. 
And, you know, where, where this really impacts, uh, an interesting stat that I pulled was that 82% of all food stamps go to the biggest. And those um, listed in the study I was reading were Kroger, Walmart, Costco, and um, Sam's Club. So, you know, where we have this subsidy that's um, helping to feed children primarily, uh, helping to feed those who are food insecure, that money is being fueled and funneled up, not to the farmers, but to these big big corporations. Um, the, the, um, almost all the brands that you know are um, controlled by about 10 companies, according to Oxfam, who's done the research. Maybe you've seen one of the posters. And those um, 10 companies are Nestle, Coca-Cola, Unilever, Danon, Mars, Mon, um, Mondele, Mondelez, uh, the, was formerly Kraft, um, Associated British Foods, Kellogg's, General Mills, and PepsiCo. Um, these companies really, um, are, and they, they work very closely with the military industrial complex because food is important to run, um, armies. So one of the big drivers in industrial food is having shelf stable, um, commodities. And what these companies do is they try to create as many varieties of food they can out of a handful of, of, um, ingredients. Those ingredients also match completely the top subsidized um, um, foods in the United States. So the international commodities market, the 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 biggest um, items on that market are wheat, corn, sorghum, ba barley, oats, cotton, rice, soybeans, and peanuts. They um, have the longest shelf life. They can be shipped all around the world, and the commodity price basically erases a lot of the the, the, the governmental shenanigans. Um, and if you added into that, um, um, when we talk about corn, we want to break down like corn, um, you know, the she's like feed corn, and then corn that is turned into corn syrup, um, um, which is a, a, a big driver of food in the United States. So of those, you, what you see is, is an enormous amount of food um, being made out of soy, refined sugar, corn syrup, wheat, and corn. And, and if you go and go to the middle aisles of the grocery store and you're buying something that's prepackaged, likely one of those um, that I just read you, soy, refined sugar, corn syrup, wheat, and corn, are, is the principal or one of the principal ingredients in whatever it is, whatever it is that you're having. Um, so, um, subsidized, the top 10 subsidized foods in the United States are corn, soybeans, sugar, wheat, oranges, livestock, hay and forage, and then everything else comes in at, 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 at number nine. Corn by far um, outstrips everything. And globally, you see a lot of, a lot of production growing in soybean and palm oil, um, which is causing all sorts of environmental, um, um issues. Um, but that's kind of outside the scope of, of, of what I want to talk about. So what, what, what is all this data I'm throwing around? It, it's really about the idea that you have these companies that are deciding basically what humanity gets to eat and in what portions they get to eat it and what packaging they get to eat it. And we've seen um, lately, there's, there's whole um, places on the internet you can go and check this out, people posting every day. There is a, there's a really active subreddit on shrinkflation. Shrinkflation is something that's going on right now where, you know, a candy bar might have been 50 grams, um, you know, three years ago, four years ago, and now it's 42 grams. And oftentimes the packages are staying the same. You open a bag of chips or you open a bag of crackers or something, and you'll find huge um, spaces 
Um, um, I see this in, in, in terms of even medications and things that I buy where um, the, the jar might have, oh, I don't know, 100 pills in it. Let's say you go buy a, um, ibuprofen, but the bottle itself could have easily had, you know, a thousand. So, so, you know, there it's, it's all matters to kind of fool the marketplace to make you think you're getting more to make you think you're, you're, you're buying something that you're not. Um, and you know, on top of all that, these companies have a long history of unethical behavior. Um, I'll just give you kind of an overview of the things that, that we've constantly struggled with big agriculture and, and the food industry about. Well, first one, of course, is chemicals, um, both fertilizers and um, pesticides and other things that they use. Uh, finding them um, polluted are, are bloodstreams. They're, they're all over. They're associated with cancers and, and um, degradation of the environment and on and on and on. Um, terrible working conditions. Um, agriculture um, remains one of the most dangerous, if not the most dangerous, um, place to work. Um, farm and meat packing plants in particular are um, havens for exploited workers. They tend to be the place where um, illegal immigrants um, 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 tend to go because they're, they're jobs that are oftentimes paid underneath the table um, to avoid all sorts of regulation. Um also, five out of ten of the lowest-paying jobs—I looked this up—in the United States are in the food industry. So we're talking about unsafe, unhealthy work conditions where people are paid poverty wages. Um, uh, food contamination is a constant problem. It seems like there's not a week that goes by that you don't find out that some big distributor um, had some problem with food contamination, and literally thousands and millions of people get sick every year from the big food industry. A uh, lack of sustainability, of course. Um, they don't. They don't worry about this at all. Um, trade agreements and political influence. Um, big agriculture has been notorious for shuffling a lot of money into politics in order to do unfair and unhealthy trade compacts around the world that punish um, farmers from countries that just don't have enough political clout to battle these big international conglomerates. Um, they're, they're notorious for antitrust. Uh, I know in my hometown um, right now, we have basically two um, big grocery store chains, um, and they're in the in they're in a lawsuit right now to try to merge. We'll leave us with just one, and then the alternative um, markets. Um, food waste um, is notorious among um, the the big food industry. Uh, most uh, corporations will will destroy um, their excess, you know, things like day old bread and and whatever. Um, rather than give it to, say, second harvest or, or give that food a second life um, in order to keep their brand up and keep, their, um, keep, their, the, keep the prices high. So um, that's been well documented all over. Um, and then, of course, food fraud. You can read about this um, where genetic studies are being done on fish and other things that are being sold globally. And oftentimes um, the big corporations will substitute a plain or highly available um, commodity for um, others um, just because they can get it, they can get away with it. Um, of course, not everything um, is as terrible, um, but um, you know we have an increase the increase of adoption of of um, um, industrial food and highly processed food is associated with many different health problems, um, cancers, obesity. 
um, all sorts of, of risk factors. And, um, you know, you read almost any nutritionist and they'll tell you to stay away from processed food. And processed food in, increasingly is not just what you're buying, you know, in the freezer section. Um, most major chains, um, you know, that, that are that are around that are, say, fast, fast, fresh food or whatever, they're they're um, they're using lots of frozen, prepackaged, processed foods with um, lots of different um, preservatives and ingredients in there that you and I don't fully understand. So, um, what, so we believe um, in living and eating closer to the earth. That it's going to be more healthy to eat um, things that 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 you grew naturally, that weren't. Um, that weren't selected for their ability to stack or ship um, in in the in the markets. You know, one of the things that drives grocery stores this day is continuity, and and you know we're our own human psychology is is to blame in part for this. But I'm not going to take the blame because it is um, exploitation of psychology and lack of understanding. What I'm talking about is what the grocery stores want and the food producers want is they want a perfectly round orange that you think, by you meaning the consumer, is the right color for an orange. And they want that on the shelf 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. So these big corporations are exploiting international um, shipping um, logistics and trying to move from um, what we might refer to as breadbasket to breadbasket to breadbasket. So, you know, this month the Nicaraguan t- um, oranges come online and then it goes to India and then it goes, I, I know nothing about the, or- the global orange market. But I, I do know that there has been a decrease in the variety of produce that is available and oftentimes a decrease in the taste and um, vitamin um, and, and nutrient um, load of that particular vegetable in order to achieve uniformity and lack deformity and, and be able to supply the same product year round because we no longer even understand that. So uh, on the farm, we want to be completely as much as we can independent from that. And so that means I'm um, learning how to grow a lot of our own things. And um, almost as important as learning to grow is learning how to preserve and use that. Um, you know, here locally, the blueberries come on, on in about um, June. So the thing that my family is really working to do is figure out how many blueberries to buy in June that we put, um, you know, a portion in the, in that we eat fresh while they're around and while they're, while they're, um, in season and beautiful and gorgeous and sweet and delicious. Um, by the way, parenthetically, I'll note that before I moved to the Pacific Northwest, blueberries always were kind of sour, um, because they were picked early and shipped and, and put in clamshells to make sure they presented right. And eating fresh blueberries right off the bush was a divine pleasure, that had been denied to me up until recently. But so you have the blueberries that go that you eat fresh. And then you have the blueberries that you put in the freezer. And for the next couple months, you eat the blueberries in your freezer. And then you go to the blueberries that you've dried or the blueberries that you canned. And if you extend it out right, you can eat blueberries almost year round. And then you exhaust your stores and you come into June again. And it's time to pick blueberries. Of course, if you have kind of property and a, and a homestead sort of thing, you can have those trees 
or bushes or plants yourself. But even if you don't have access to that, you can do this by just going to the farmer's market or going straight to um, farms. You pick farms and, and different things like that. And that's what we want to uh, achieve. So I look at these corporations and, you know, knowing my own background in, in business and having worked for big international companies um, in tech over the last 25 years, I, I just understand that, that they are about um, increasing the value for the shareholders above everything else. That's what drives them. That's what the system rewards them for. That's what people will be promoted for. And that's that will be their core value. And they're not going to sell you poison because they don't want to kill you, at least not right away. Um, that's not their motivator. Their motivator is simply profit. And, and it's going to use the exploitations in our um, understanding of what food should look like. It's going to exploit our ignorance about agriculture and about um, the seasons and about where things come from. And they're going to exploit our desire to not be too involved in worrying about if bananas are good to be grown where they are, if, if, if the, our, the coffee we're drinking in the morning um, is causing conflict. We just don't want to know that stuff. It's too much. And, and, I, and I, I agree to an extent. It's hard to keep up with all this. But from our value at Dabbler Farm, it's sort of saying... I'm just going to try to opt out of the system as much as I can by finding people who produce locally by producing my own local stuff. So that's what we mean by um, corporate independence and just trying to make sure that these guys are not the ones who decide what and when and how we eat. All right. Thanks again for um, listening. Uh, check us out at, at uh, dabblerfarm.org. You can see our written journals. Um, catch this podcast. Find out about other things that are going on. Uh, lots of interesting stuff. Thanks again.